Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Bravo, macht Tempo, wartet auf Harte. Herzlang gekommen und jetzt ist es Klos. Also, Arminia Bielefeld. Penny, 2-0. 2-0 für den FC St. Pauli. Diese Flanke, Tor, nächster Treffer. Es heuer, Fernandes mit vorne. Ja klar ist er mit vorne. Kittel mit der Ecke, Pujabalata. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Spider Bundesliga podcast. We are officially back, as in the football has come back. We are eight games in, and there is so much to talk about from what was an absolutely bonkers weekend of football. 23 goals scored, a ton of them late on. There were teams that were on their way to three points and only took one. There was one team in particular that was on to at least a point and left with none. And it just was a a, a pretty stock standard week in the Swider Bundesliga. And you love to see it. Although if it's your team that lost, you may disagree. We will review all the action from match day 26. The eight games that have played, of course, Hanover and Dynamo Dresden did not play. Of course, uh, Dresden are still in lockdown. They won't be playing this weekend either as uh, that game with Greutherford has been postponed and they got no help whatsoever with results on the weekend. Joining me to digress and indulge on the Spider Bundesliga match day 26 review is the one and only Eva Lotterbole. Eva, how are you? Uh, a trying weekend, I guess we'll say, for your team. Uh, um, let's let's actually start there. So, uh, Bielefeld's game with Osnabrück, your take on the 1-1. Yeah, I looked at it again today. I needed some time to uh, calm down and it got me angry again this morning. Um, it's it's definitely a deserved draw, don't get me wrong. Um, although it was a very late conceded goal against Osnabrück. But um, as Uwe Neuer said, he wasn't really... Yeah, content was a way of playing. They didn't really manage to overcome um, Osterwick's blockade. You could blocks um, in their own half. Um, the penalty was one. Uh, I think if you look at it, it was one of the uh, categories of more very stupid penalty to concede or in any way, yeah, have against your team. Um, yeah, I thought that especially on the likes of Jonathan Klaus, he wasn't really on the pitch. I had the feeling normally is one to always give some energetic kicks into the game. You could not really see it. On the other side, you had Reinhard Jabo, who had some better chances, but didn't really find his way into the game either. Um, yeah, um I have to say, I saw the the draw or the leveling goal coming. You could see it like for 20 minutes at that point. Uh, yeah, I think it's normal because especially if you look at the other pitches as well, a lot of teams had struggled or struggled with coming back to the pitch. Um, Fabian Klose was, I think, really, really finished at the end. He seemed out of condition in any way. Um the end of the game but yeah we will travel to Hamburg on the weekend without Cedric Buna because he's 
out on a yellow card suspension. Um, interesting to say, see who is playing for him. Might be Jonathan Klaus, who is now going one step back, or Tom Schütz, and then maybe um, Andreas Vogelsammer is back on a good note. Um, might be in the lineup for for Sunday. Um, maybe next to Silvio Zuku, we will see that. We will, and yeah, I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, when we talk about the promotion race, which this first section. Uh, we will talk about the top three. It's a point. They didn't. They weren't great. The six shots they managed on goal for the entire game, Bielefeld, uh, wasn't particularly impressive from the league's best. But you can understand when Osnabrück are playing very defensively, trying to to hit you on the counter attack. And yeah, I mean, it, it's a shame, I guess, from a Bielefeld point of view, where you give up a really soft goal because that's what it was, poorly defended. And there are a number of goals exactly like that um, on the weekend. And, yeah, it's a shame. I guess it's a shame for them, but in, in the for Osnabrück, it was a point they needed. They were very much getting sucked into that, that scrap. They're still very much in it. But uh, for a team that has really struggled in 2020, vital point for them. Uh, as you mentioned, Bielefeld are off to Hamburg on Sunday. It is the big game of match day 27 uh, whereas Osnabrück host Hanover Hanover's first game of uh, the return Osnabrück pre- pretty good at home on most occasions uh, I guess I guess the the one thing Eva with with Bielefeld uh, how what was your initial impression of the lineup that Uwe Neuhaus picked he went 4-2-3-1 which is one of the two variants that he generally operates with. Uh, I, I guess, were you happy with the team selection? And, and do you think that going into the Hamburg game, we'll ex- we should expect a few changes? Obviously, Bruni is one of them. Uh, do you expect more on the horizon? Um, yeah, the question was risen whether Fabian Kunz is returning to the lineup because... Um, I think he did a really good job against Stuttgart. He's one if if you just need someone to yeah get your any passes from midfield and just be there, um, show some attendance in midfield. Fabian Kunz is a really good man next to um, Manuel Prite, um, who was really, really good as well. Uh, Prite in the in the last game, he had like really high pass rate, as well as um, Joachim Nielsen. But yeah, I can't really like Neuhaus isn't really known for making many changes if he doesn't have to. But I'm pretty sure even he saw that the lineup who was on the field on Sunday can't really compete with Hamburg on the weekend. Um, I do really hope that Vogelsammer plays from the beginning on. I think it was the right decision to not let him play for 90 minutes on the weekend, but at least for like 70 minutes or so for the first 70 minutes on the weekend would be, would be a good decision because he just, just sending signals and yeah, but in total, I'm not a huge fan of Yavo this season. I said it before. I don't think he's at 100%. Um, 
there he's just too slow in some ways and I think someone like Suku is a bit better for that position on Sunday. It will be a watch this space kind of thing. We'll get to Hamburg in a moment because we have to make our way to V Spartan. The scenes of much controversy um, and well V Spartan two Stuttgart one goals from Manuel Schaeffler. Gonzalez equalising on 83 minutes and then the the incident uh, which was reviewed by the video assistant referee Sasha Stegerman pointing to the spot after it was deemed that uh, Hamidi al handled the ball in the box. Philip Tietz scoring from said spot with the final kick of the game. Wiesbaden run to the bank with the season sweep over Stuttgart. Uh, but it's not the last we're going to hear of this game uh, either. It seems that sporting director Sven Mislatat has taken great exception to said result. Uh, we were discussing about this off air. Your impressions on the result and also the fact that uh, Stuttgart want to go and challenge the result of the game. Yeah, first of all, um, I think... We saw Stuttgart, who only won one away game in eight games um, so far this year. That was the game against, or in the last eight away games. And I have to say, same as uh, maybe Armenia and Hamburg, they didn't really, yeah, started how they wanted to. Um, and against Wien Wiesbaden if you have to challenge that game um, due to your last minute penalty which as VfB Stuttgart should not happen anyway last minute because normally you should have the stability to be better than, than a side that is much more smaller than you and struggles with or fights against uh, being relegated um, I do get that Stuttgart fans are mad about that decision. It's not a clear handball. You can hear the audio of uh, Sascha Stegemann talking uh, to the VAR. Um, he first says, I can't see anything. But then in the end, he says, um, I see it now. He touches the ball clearly. And then it's a penalty because then he saw it. Then, then those are the rules, how weird they are. Then... Um, you you have to uh, you have to give the penalty. Um, I don't know how Wiesbaden managed twice to get three points um, against Stuttgart. Um, and on the other hand, Stuttgart wasn't good. Um, they they had their chances, but if you only managed to score 83 minutes into the game with the likes of. Mario Gomez on the pitch, Nicolas Gonzalez as well, and many other you really have to think about if you really want to get your veto for that game. And yeah, um, Manuel Scheffler with his 16th goal, he's the second best goal scorer of that league um, after Fabian Claus. So that is pretty amazing as well. Um, yeah, and for them, I think it's really really vital for traveling to Heidenheim who struggled a bit on the weekend against Bochum we'll speak about that later but um yeah I don't think that at that in times where we are at the moment 
um, those are really things you could f should focus about um, because I think there are a lot of problems going on. And I don't think that at this stage the DFL really says, okay, we don't really know if this league or if this season comes to an end, but sure, let's put another game on the tap to play again. That doesn't work. And um, in the end, it's Stuttgart's own fault that you conceded that goal. Yeah, I guess I don't want Stuttgart fans to interpret this the wrong way, but this is almost... It's always been the case all season. The inability to take responsibility for what happens on the pitch, and it's always somebody else's fault. That they are not top of the league. They came down to this fight of Bundesliga. They thought it was going to be easy. Clearly, they thought it was going to be easy, and they did what so many other teams have done. They've mistaken that this league is not, you know, easy street. This is... This is one of the best leagues in the world if you include if you include a bunch of other leagues that it's difficult promotion is hard I don't understand why they're going to take this to the court it was a tough decision and let's be fair if you look at the multiple replays it's a tough decision to give the referee gave it he enforced the rules of the game that's what referees do penalty given Teeth scores, game over, v Spartan win. You can't isolate one single incident as the reason why you didn't win a game or why you didn't gain promotion. Now, that's obviously forward thinking. You didn't do enough. Simply not enough. When you, can, when you only score 9% of the total shots you've taken in a season and you have one of the most expensive attacks, that's a problem. That's a massive problem. And yeah, it's time to stop making excuses and just start getting results. You have tough games coming up against Kiel and then Hamburg. If you don't get results, you're in danger of losing second place, which you've already lost now. So it, it, it just, just they need to get their mind set and just start playing the game, not worry about things that are out of their control. Refereeing decisions, in most cases are forced by some sort of act. The act was handball. Deal with it. It happens. Anyway, let's actually talk about... I'm going to talk about Wiesbaden for a sec because they... They're bad. Just... Mr. Rudiger Reim is a bad man. They just, for some strange reason, and I don't know how, pulled off a result and they are one of the ugliest sides to watch. But they took three points, and congratulations to them. They really needed it. And now, the question will remain, can they continue the push? We shall see. Let's actually talk about Hamburg now, because they travelled to Fürth, and this is a game that I analysed for Total Football Analysis. The article is out now. If you'd like to read what I thought of the game in terms of a tactical perspective... But watching it as a neutral, uh, there was some good aspects the way Hamburg played. They pressed very well in the second half. They got goals either side of half time. Um, their first half was not great. Um, prior to the Poy and Palo goal, they had one good counter-attacking opportunity, which was well saved by Sasha Boykert. Um, and yeah, it wasn't 
all great. They had, you know, some really good contributions from Dudziak and uh, Yatta, but it was not a good performance. They have shown that they've not been great away from home, uh, and they gave up a very much typical, and if you were to set an agenda against Hamburg in conceding goals, that would be goals from set pieces, and it was a really soft goal they gave up, um, and just very, very ordinary. Either it's a situation now that they they did gain from the, the benefit of Stuttgart losing, but it wasn't particularly convincing viewing um, against the third side that we know have, have been pretty good this season. Yeah, um, I think especially the likes of uh, Baia in his first game from the beginning, he didn't really um, show a good performance, I'd say. Um, in both goals, he didn't seem very good. <laughs> and yeah, in total, I think Hamburg had some chances, for example, on the likes of uh, Zamperio, already 20 minutes into the game. If that's the leading goal, maybe we talk about a win for Hamburg now. But if you just look at the chance, that's normally something you you have to use. That's a chance you definitely have to use um, for, yeah, don't know, just cement your place or the second place um in the table and Fürth is known for making other teams struggle especially teams that they're a bit they're higher up the table than they are and uh, you had the feeling that Hamburg didn't really think that it's going to be a problem and you you could see that um as you said they had 15 minutes uh, up to 15 minutes that were really good, but they should have taken more out of it than those two goals or one goal. Um, yeah, so as, if you look at the defending um, last minute, that shouldn't happen. Um, it's it's the same with Bielefeld, uh, definitely. Um, that shouldn't happen if you want to be promoted. That's something you should really have to look out for. It's Everyone has is coming out of those eight weeks of not playing regular football, but you still have to be awake for 90 plus minutes. And that's something that a lot of teams this match day didn't really get, I think. Yeah, it's very true. Um, and I think it can be excused being that it is their first competitive outing for two months, essentially. And we said it last week, there is a there's actually a difference between being physically fit and match fit. And I think from a Hamburg perspective, the most disappointing thing that I look at in terms of a metric, which was the their counter-pressing, which they did really, really well in that second half until the final 15 minutes, where they shut up shop, invited every, every bit of pressure, and they gave up a gift, because that's what it was. I mean, Nielsen had... There were six Hamburg players around him, but not a single one of them actually was on him as the set-piece materialised. It's just... The basics, they... We talk about it so much with Hamburg. And it's just... They, they, 
they find ways they almost find ways to to give away points and again what would have been a massive three points and it would have closed the gap on Bielefeld um, they now go into what many would say is a must win um, and if they don't well then they will be very much scrapping with Stuttgart for the rest of the season let's take a break and on the other side we'll go to our section known as important wins for some we look at the teams down the foot and in and around uh, see who were the winners and losers from those games in just a moment It was an important match day for many teams down in the bottom half, and a good number of them took all three points. One of those teams that surprised most of us, maybe not their fans anyway, was Valfell Borkham, who took a 3-0 win over the heavily fancied Heidenheim. Anthony Alessio, Jordi, Ose Tutu, and Silvery Gamvula, the three goal scorers in a comprehensive beating of a Heidenheim side who will rue the fact that they could have closed the gap to Stuttgart and Hamburg. Eva, we have not been on the back of Borkham because we know that on an offensive end, they are very good. As they showed, they took advantage of the many Heidenheim mistakes on match day 26. But they also defended quite confidently and they kept a clean sheet at home, which in, in many ways is extraordinarily rare this season. <laughs> That's very true. Um, I many Bochum fans said um, this is it, it's a bit weird that they start to play good football at home as soon as the fans are into the stadium, and as well as um, their really cool black um, like edition shirt um, is unbeaten because it was only used for one game and they won it. Um, no, I was really. Um, positively surprised um, of the way Bochum played, um, especially against Heimenheim, who's normally known for picking up their points somehow. Um, they weren't on the field at all, especially if you look at the 2-0. We spoke about that off record. Um, Ose Tutu can just waltz through through the Heidenheim box is not being attacked somehow the Heidenheim players thought that the social distancing is also applied for their box um yeah all in all not really good defending from from Heidenheim and really good performance for Bochum instead I think Heidenheim had one chance after the 1-0 due to Mark Schnatterer if that goes in I think we would have had another game but due to the fact that it didn't went in, um, Bochum, not like Bochum-like for this season, actually managed to keep up their lead and even increase it. And it was definitely uh, a deserved win. Yeah, they were very impressive. One player who probably didn't get enough praise for his performance was uh, Robert Jules, uh, as uh, Anthony Wood from uh, Football Radar said he was very much the puppet master, pulling the strings in midfield. He was actually very good uh, in his performance from Heidenheim perspective. Yeah, as you said, Eva, they did take social distancing literally like a bunch of other teams in the Bundesliga, <clears throat> Schalke and Bremen in particular. And yeah, they were so bad in transition, especially when they lost the ball in the final third. Uh, Nicholas Dorsch, who we a lot of us rate very highly, was a sitting duck. A guy just, every time they lost possession, he was exposed. 
And you could tell by about halfway through the first half he was gassed. And it was going to be an uphill battle. He played okay, but yeah, he didn't get much help. It is a massive game next week for Bochum because they're at Karlsruhe, who we're about to talk about now. And they, Kaise, took a massive step in the right direction. Uh, and when you consider the results around the league with V Spiden's win and Bochum's win, their three points against Darmstadt were pivotal. Two second half goals. Philip Hoffman, who has 12 goals this season. That's uh, a lot more than I expected him to have this season. And Marvin Vanitek scored his fourth in stoppage time to give Kaise all three points. But I guess the story would be Darmstadt in many ways either. Uh, much like Heidenheim, they were very much present physically, but maybe mentally they were very much elsewhere. Yeah, I was really surprised, um, especially if you look at the second half. There were many times when cards who were could just walk, like literally walk very freely into uh, the Darmstadt half and nobody or no one from Darmstadt was attacking them, which did surprise me a bit. Um, for Karlsruhe, this is a very huge win um, and a really deserved one as well. I think it was good for them to win that uh, with a clean sheet at home, going to the next game on Bochum, which uh, to Bochum, sorry, um, which is going to be pivotal as well. Um, and yeah, you didn't really see the way Darmstadt played so often this season. So very, always very keen to attack very early in attacking, I think. And yeah, huge, huge win for Karlsruhe. It was a very, very impressive display. They were very good offensively. It was, in many ways, it was a quite a tight affair. But when they went forward... Uh, they looked very dangerous and, uh, as we said, massive for them. Uh, it should be not understated how how tough this will make Dresden's task as they won't play the first two games. And, yeah, that's that really hurts their chances going forward. Uh, we should also talk about St. Pauli. They played Nuremberg, another tight game. And this, this pretty much went to script in some ways for St. Pauli. It was a typically Yosluhukai affair, very defensive. However, Nuremberg had their chances. One cannot forget the absolute miss by Nikola Dovidan, who should have put Nuremberg up. Uh, but the game very much changed in the second half when Christian Matenia was sent off. Initially, it was just given... It was given as a foul and a red card. They looked at it. Uh, the decision stayed, and then it was going to be hard for Nuremberg to challenge after that. And substitute Victor Gyorkuresh, uh, the Brighton and Hone of Albion on loan player, getting his seventh goal of the campaign, giving St. Pauli a win and propelling them into the top half of the standings. And Eva, I guess we should talk about Nuremberg for just a little bit. It's a massive loss for them when you consider that almost everybody around them, as we've spoken about Karlsruhe, Wiesbaden, Bochum all took wins. It's a massive loss for them. Yeah. Um, when I spoke about Haas foul or either Zamperio not using his chances if you want to get promoted, it's the same here with Nuremberg and Dovedan. If you have that chance and he he's free in front of the goal, um, 
nine out of ten strikers will make a goal out of that one. And it just fits perfectly to Nuremberg that they not only did not use this chance, but once again <laughs> have their goalkeeper out. Um, Martina not really happy, is or St. Pauli is probably not his favorite opponent this season. In the first game, he made a last-minute save and then was injured and didn't come back until the beginning of the year. And uh, now, once again, he will be out uh, due to the red card, which was definitely one. Um, yeah, um, Nuremberg had some had had a couple of chances, but they just didn't use it, and they're probably the biggest losers, you can say, of this match day. Um, with Dresden and Lanova not have or that match not being played um, for another two or three weeks. Nobody knows. Um, But yeah, um, it looks very dark for them. It does. What it means in the table is that they are sitting a point above Wiesbaden, heading into match day 27, uh, equal in points with Sandhausen, and a point behind Osnabrück between 17... And if you go all the way up to ninth, only six points separates the team. So very much, and Eva, you pointed this out off air, that basically anyone from fifth onwards is very much, in a way, a few bad results away from being near that drop zone. So it tells you how tight it is at the bottom, as it is in some ways at the top. We'll take our final break, and on the other side, we'll finish off the leftovers with Regensborg's game at Kiel, uh, to Kiel, sorry, and ours game to Sandhausen. Then we'll answer your topic questions. We've reached the final segment of this week's episode, which we look at the final two games of this week, and then we answer your topic questions. Uh, so we'll start in Regensburg, as Regensburg took on Holstein Kiel. Kiel looked very comfortable in this game for the vast majority. They were 2-0 up with goals from Lee Jae Sung and Finn Porat. And they blew it. Truly, truly blew a golden opportunity to take three points as Regensburg clawed their way back with goals from Sebastian Stolzer and a penalty from Andreas Albers. His seventh goal of the season and he's made a habit of scoring all his goals in the final 15 minutes. Uh, Eva, just a brief one on this one. It's a good result for Regensburg, but if we're probably honest with the way the game was played, it was one that they were very fortunate to get. Yeah. um, I think he started off very well uh, with Lee having, or scoring the first goal um, back for, for for the Bundesliga and Zweite Liga back to normality you could say but yeah if you look at the highlights it's basically only the goals that you will see there did not happen a lot um between them and for Regensburg it's a step forward to stop their um yeah downfall a bit um they haven't been really good in in 2020 you could say and yeah, especially coming back from a two-nil, it's that that's huge for them. Um, 
with them traveling to Sandhausen on the weekend um, might take a bit self-confidence up to to get points in Sandhausen as well. Yeah, and for Kiel, they host Stuttgart in a game which Kiel will feel like they've got a good chance of taking points, although their home form hasn't been as good as many would have hoped. Uh, it still was a massive missed opportunity for Kiel, uh, a game they probably should have put away, but yet squandered the opportunity to do so. Uh, Erzgebirge Auer was the last game. They hosted Sandhausen. They picked this one pretty easy. 3-1 winners. They were aided by the sending off of Dennis Diekmeyer in the fourth minute when he brought down Florian Kruger. Deemed a red card as he was seen as the last man impeding Kruger on a goal-scoring opportunity. Seemed a bit harsh, and it was... um, Yeah, it was always going to be difficult from there. Dmitry Nazarov scoring the penalty, proceeded to applaud his own work five minutes into a game. Don't mind that at all. Uh, Kruger got on the score sheet as well. He was brilliant in that game. And then uh, Malcolm Kakatlua getting on the score sheet as well. Julius Bieda getting a consolation goal. Uh, a pass back went awry and Bieda got his third of the season. Probably not a lot to talk about in this one. It was a pretty comprehensive win for Auer, who moved themselves uh, to sixth place on the table. Good win for them. Yeah, definitely. Um I think we spoke about it last week that hour is always a bit difficult to predict what they're doing. Um, they played a good season so far, definitely. And I I have to say, I don't know whether the game would have ended like that if um, Diekmeyer wouldn't have been sent off. For me, that's not a red card. It's a penalty, but... He's not um, the last one. I think Biata could have challenged it as well. I'm not quite sure who it was, but somebody was in the back who was a bit nearer to the goal as well. So for me, it wasn't. He was not the the last man, or it wasn't um, clear chance that got taken away by that. Um, so really harsh for me that decision. Yeah, um, I think some rather horrible defending by Sandhausen, especially when it was in, uh, as it came to, to higher duels, uh, air duels, um, wasn't really good. So deserved win for our, and yeah, they are traveling to Nuremberg as, as you said, um, they're not really good away. So might be a good chance for Nuremberg. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and then obviously Sandhausen are at home to Jan Regensburg. They've been a little bit better at home this season. They may feel like they're an oppo- it's an opportunity to right the wrongs. Of course, it was a massive loss in the context of the season for Sandhausen, much like Nuremberg. Now they hover a point above the relegation playoff spot. Now to your topic questions. We've got three to answer. Uh, it would seem two of them are very much Hamburg-oriented, but that's okay. Uh, the first is from David B., at DBS 16, as crazy as it sounds, is this game a must-win for Haasvel? Of course, making reference to their massive game against Armenia Bielefeld. In a points context, if they lose, they will be 10 points adrift from Bielefeld. And then it, what happens to Stuttgart's game in Kiel will also play a part either 
Is it a must-win for Haasvall, or is this a game where points accumulating a point of some description would be good enough? Well, um, you just have to look at the words of um, Dieter Hecking, who said, um, if Armenia wins this, as you said, uh, they have 10 points um, between them and Hamburg. And that's going to be the promotion. And they think they have the self-confidence to beat us. For an Armenia fan, this is really weird to hear. I have to say, it's really, really weird. <laughs> it, it sounds a bit like 99 out of 100 games we lose, but this one we will win. <laughs> um, yeah, I think especially if you not only look at that game, but at the game that follows against um, VfB Stuttgart, so Hamburg has two huge games coming up for them. And they want to take at least, I think, four points out of that. They need six points probably to really not only get closer to Armenia but also get away from, from Stuttgart so that a really really huge game and that's the good thing for Armenia they have nothing to lose for them a draw is, is plenty enough they don't need more actually and uh, the second thing that is an advantage for Bielefeld is that they're travelling away and normally they're much better away and now that Hamburg is playing or everyone is not playing in front of any kind of um yeah visitors in the stadium or any kind of fans um it's going to be a really strange game but something that Armenia might take some advantage out of it um so yeah it's I would definitely say it's a must win for Hasfall yeah it's that classic uh, six pointer for them yeah if they they will lose a lot of ground if they don't win uh, but if they do manage to secure the points then they're very much in the mix for a good result. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think it's as... Well, it's, it's the next two weeks are quite big. And then, obviously, as I said last week, just that three-game stretch, including Furt, was going to be big for them. They sort of passed the first test. Uh, if they don't at least pick up some sort of points in the next two, then 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 we can say it's, it's, it's a... A worrying time for them, and that actually perfectly segues into the next question from Ben J. Ben Jack ninety four is his Twitter handle. Who do you think should be more worried about the weekend's result, Stuttgart or Hamburg? Um, I'm going to take this one first. Uh, Stuttgart clearly losing to t teams that you should beat. I know the game of football is not played on paper, but against a team that doesn't play good football, is not very good defensively, concedes a lot of goals at home, and you don't pick up points, that is a problem. They were... They gave up soft goals, and yeah, it's not... It's just not great, the way you think about it. Yeah, I would probably be more worried with Stuttgart, but both, both Hamburg and Stuttgart follow the same thing. They're both not great away from home. And under Pellegrino Matarotto, they haven't won a game away from home. They've won all their games. They've, they've taken all their points in terms of excluding the Wiesbaden game. And I think uh, they did win at Bochum, which is not really much when you consider where they are. Yeah, not great. So I would suggest that um, 
Yeah, Stuttgart should probably be more worried. I should recanter that. They did beat Bochum under Matarazzo, so that, that is wrong. So, yeah. Uh, Eva, what do you reckon? Uh, I would agree with you um, that Stuttgart should be more worried because I think if it comes to the last couple of games, there is less pressure on Hamburg. I think Hamburg is in, in kind of a position that was on you in Berlin last year or even Paderborn. Um, although they still need to get promoted with the club's intentions, the pressure isn't that big because... Yeah, they already been two seasons in a row in the Zweite Liga. For Stuttgart, the pressure is much higher. They have the same role that Hamburg had last year, and we all know how that ended. Um, so I would say that Stuttgart should be more worried as well. Um, and that I think HSV has the better chances to keep a calm you know, head um, for the finishing line will be one that we will be watching closely um, as the season goes on. Uh, our last question is from Steel Penguin at Steel Penguin 3. It says, hello everybody. It may be too early to tell, but what do you think um, of the ghost game approach? Is it working? Uh, Eva, being that you situate yourself a good 5-10 minutes away from the Bielefeld at Alm, and as much as you would really love to be part of the raucous support at the uh, the ground last week, what was what was your impression of the weekend's action? Uh, the the almost uh, training ground esque atmosphere for a professional game. I have to say, I'm not a fan at all. Um, in the end, um, I think it's even worse than I have expected it. Um, you don't have I had the feeling for me myself um, watching the game on Sunday with all the emotions around it I found myself being distracted much more often than it would normally happen if I watch an away game at home or so um, and well I was glad I didn't watch the full conference of the Bundesliga on the weekend either 45 minutes of um, games like Paderborn against Düsseldorf were plenty um yeah I'm I know that we don't have another opportunity at the moment but it's it's horrible and I think what Sky did with it with a fake audio tone or like the fake fan chance it's just horrible and sends completely wrong signals and I can't wait for the season to be over because it's not what I want out of football and it's just not how it should be. Yeah. And that's how the DFL kind of um, markets the Bundesliga is that the fans play the biggest role in the way football is, football culture is. And yeah, I didn't get the sky, the feed. I was watching the, the stadium versions. So it was just authentic atmosphere or lack of atmosphere lots you know hearing a lot of communication i know in the hamburg foot game hearing dieter hecking yell at the top of his lungs for 90 minutes was interesting <laughs> um and it was yeah it was it was bizarre because it felt more 
like um, a preseason friendly than a proper football game. Unfortunately, whether we like it or not, uh, we've seen obviously the lot of the, the protesting from a lot of the ultra groups uh, this weekend, uh, last weekend, sorry, and probably this weekend. It will probably continue on. Um, I just, I, I'm unsure if there's an alternative that will appease both sides the footballing side the dfb the dfl and 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 the the fans themselves um it it's one that there's no clear-cut solution in either way one set is not going to be happy and, and unfortunately there's a case where um we won't have any fans and hopefully if we continue improvement not just in germany but around the world then then maybe we will have a situation that in maybe October, November, maybe even earlier, which would be great. We'll have fans back in stadiums, and and that's that's. I mean, the 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 most important thing is out is the safety of players and staff, and of course the fans themselves. And at the moment, I think this is the unfortunate compromise that we have to deal with. I mean, we should be glad that we've got football back, selfishly, but you know, as long as it doesn't compromise the safety of those. That's uh, are there to, in, in essence, to entertain us. So we'll see. Um, that's it for this week's edition of the Spider Bundesliga podcast. Thank you, Eva, once again for joining us. Joining me, I should say. Uh, any last comments you want to produce before we head off? Stay safe, um, stay healthy, and enjoy your fair share of Spider Bundesliga at the weekend. Now that we all can agree to. Uh, from me, Matthew Karagich, uh, we hope you have a great weekend, stay safe, and goodbye until next week.